Who praised Hainer from day one? Nobody here did. Why, Pup is the all-knowing. Always has been. Stalin claims he was first on Hainer. But that's what Stalin does. Propaganda. He has always piggybacked off Puppy's football takes. Another one. Be the best. I'm out. I, you know, with Hitler, the more I learn about that guy, the more I don't care for him. Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a color man. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. The weather is perfect, the field is fast at the Rose Bowl for tonight's ball game. We're to begin, the Huskies win the Apple Cup, and uh, we're joined with Dougals today. Uh, we got, of course, the, the usual trio here of myself, uh, Willie Duke, who apparently aged about 30 years in the last uh, 24 hours, and then... Uh, <laughs> Joey, who's laying in bed and staring up at the ceiling. and um, But, uh, Dougals, I'm going to ask you, we're going to start with you real quick because I have a question for you. Um, was there any point during the Apple Cup yesterday, oh, let's just say when the Huskies were within easy uh, field goal range to win the game with seconds left and our quarterback is throwing into triple coverage in the end zone or uh, moments later taking a 10-yard sack and driving us further back, was there any point where you uh, you fell off the sobriety wagon? Okay, yeah, let's start uh, over. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. You want me to stop? No, I. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't care. No. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I had but, to reset the clock after uh, Penix threw the triple coverage two times in a row uh, when all we needed was a chip shot. Uh, no. You guys know the uh, Jake yeah, Browning no, story, still, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joey? The, uh, the, book yeah. End, the, yep. the book ends of my variety. <laughs> okay. That wasn't very funny, but we'll keep going since you say to keep going. <laughs> it's it's all good, brother. I uh, No, that, that whole sequence, though, was one of those ones where I, I started going, like, full-on tinfoil hat, like, Grub is a double mm-hmm. agent. He wants us to lose. <laughs> I mean, the percentages that were being played there were just so – it was so bad and the, the lack of awareness of what we needed to do to win um, with Oregon State only having a timeout. I mean, in some ways, I was like, we don't even run this. We just almost well, take a yeah. knee and center it. Uh, you, you know, and, and instead we're throwing dangerous passes and, and dropping – I mean, it's just – it was total – they wanted Penix – to get a, a, a game-winning touchdown pass, I think, maybe, which is crazy. Uh, I don't know what they were thinking, but they basically put us in a terrible spot. And uh, <laughs> luckily, luckily we, we pulled it off. But, I mean, talk about, like, playing the percentages terrifically. A grub, grub almost killed me on that moment, yeah. And let's not lose sight of the fact, though, that DeBoer's, he he has veto power and all this, so it's not like Grub is just out there winging it on his own, so. 
Yeah, it was a, a mess. Uh, Willie, as you said uh, in a text, that the game was killing you and the sea, or the season was killing you. But uh, what are your thoughts the morning after? It was the game and the season. Uh, it uh, it was just another one, and uh, man, this one was so not enjoyable that usually I go back and I watch like the. 15 to 25 minute highlight packages that get put on YouTube. And I don't know how I'm even going to watch it for this one. Cause this was just an ugly, uh, crappy performance against a not that great a team. And I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to downplay the 12 and 0 and how, how good it is. But if we're talking specifically about the game, I just, there's not much enjoyable about it. We were, you were, we were talking about going on. Eric, do you want to go on or not go on? And like, well, uh, let's plunder it just as the way when they were up by seven in the second half and they got an interception. I'm like, okay, this is when they finally plunder it. Just they're going to go down and score a touchdown. This is finally going to be where they don't not let the game stay scary. And it went three and out. Uh, and it was just like, we're doing this again. So it was yep. painful. I can just to give something uh, positive, uh, and I'm not even trying to get. I'm not even trying to be just contrarian. Uh, I didn't like the execution of throwing to the end zone, but I didn't hate it maybe as much as we all hate it. Given, I mean, you go back to Oregon in 2018. It seems like a similar similar field position type of thing where they just ran up the middle and thought, hey, well, if we can run for a first down, we'll keep going. But uh, otherwise, we're going to put the hands of uh, put the game in the hands of our our kicker and. I don't hate not. I don't hate that they were trying not to put it in the hands of the kicker. I just, I hate that Penix is throwing. Uh, I thought the Rome one that was the kind of in the corner of the end zone in front of me. What I don't think he was double covered. I think it was just like a bad pass. And I do wonder if we were talking after the game too. If some of these are more Penix and Grub, where you know they have a play design and he's going for the 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 hardest throw in it. So I, I don't hate that as much as as much as I could. I, I don't hate it because, you know, we, we ended up putting a – even if he doesn't get sacked, it's still like a 33-yard kick, college kicker. He's a young kicker. He had been sucking. I think he had missed his last two. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, that 10-yard that yeah. loss on the sack pushed it back to like 40, didn't it? No, yeah, I would say even, yeah, if he, even if he doesn't he doesn't take that, they take a knee or they run up the middle for a yard, like that's still – still a 33-yard kick uh, in college with your kicker. Like, I, I just – I'm not going to – I don't love it, but I, I don't hate them for trying to score there and score a touchdown but instead here, of just kick the field goal. Here's where I'll push back, though. It's like if you're throwing, like, a fade route to the corner of the end zone where it's a high percentage it's going to be either incomplete or a touchdown, fine. Yeah. But you're throwing A into triple coverage in the middle of the field there – could have easily been intercepted, and then your your uh you know your fifth or sixth year senior quarterback taking a sack. And you know I uh I I would say a good way to put it is I don't hate I kind of I actually like prefer the mindset I don't like the execution. Again, yeah, I mean Penix has thrown when he's thrown the interception in the past recent games that's been over the middle. And they throw one over the middle, and then the Rome thing—it's just like, it just seems like that's kind of their well, and eventually that's going to like backfire on them. But I, I just thought that was a bad, bad pass. Uh, but I don't, I don't want to get, I don't, I don't. Uh, I hear you. I don't hate not trying to put it in the hands of the kicker. 
because uh, literally we've been here before, similar field position. That was on the road, the Oregon of like, yeah, well, we're just going to set up for a 35-yarder. Like, well, that's, well get the touchdown. He's also, also a freshman kicker, but yeah. Yeah, this yeah. Guy, but Gross, Gross had missed his last two kicks. Uh, True, fair enough. And I think he missed I three thought, out of the last four or something. Yeah, like he had that. he had been struggling, uh, and it's a big pressure kick. Um, oh yeah, because they go back to the one that got blocked against Utah. Um, I I don't hate that. I also don't know what the exact time thing was, which I guess throwing doesn't help. But I don't like giving the anyone, not even the Cougs. I don't like giving a fucking high school team in football now, like even like thirty seconds down by three. It's just so easy to go down and get a field goal to tie it right back. So mm-hmm. uh, I – even like 19 seconds now, I'm like, I don't, I don't like playing for the field goal. I'm done. Okay, that's, that, uh, that was my thought. Joey? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, something I brought up you know, yesterday is because uh, if you go back to that, um, that fourth down play last week against Oregon State, you know, they ran a – uh, like that bunch formation off to the right, and uh, the, the, I think it was designed to go to uh, Bernard, you know, on like a you know wide receiver tunnel screen, whatever, whatever, however you want to call it, and uh, you know he decides to go to the uh, back shoulder throw on Rome, and I think I think the coaches give uh, Penix a lot of freedom to do his own to do his own thing. And I think some of these throws where we're pissed off, you know, about Grubb's play calling, um, you know, we, we really don't know if there's, if there's an option to, uh, to run the ball and Penix is kind of doing his, his own thing, uh, trying to go downfield. Um, you know, we, we don't really know the, we don't really know the playbook. Like, you know, at first I thought it was Grubb, but, uh, you know, I'm starting to think it's probably a combination of all three on these uh, on these failures um, to to really put their foot on on the uh, accelerator and you know put their foot down on on the opponent's neck and and just uh, put them out of their misery. You know, these uh, it, and a lot of it looks like it's panics. It's starting to look you like know it's what's so ironic? taking a shot and, and, you know, just take take what the defense gives you. What's so ironic, though, as you were talking, it occurred to me the irony of this is that we, we're a team that's really just uh, uh, almost infatuated with the idea of the kill shot, and yet we can't put anybody away, <laughs> ever, you know. Not since Michigan State, really. So it's uh, yeah. it's quite ironic. Um now, I will say this, uh, and, uh, and Dougals, you can give your thoughts here if you like. Um, the Husky defense, I actually felt some pride about them. I know we weren't going up against a great uh, offense yesterday, but I actually had some confidence in them. I actually probably had more confidence in the defense than the offense by the fourth quarter mm-hmm. yesterday. And and they were le- legitimately getting some pressure. Moving Trice around, a decision they made about three weeks ago is really – uh, changing the dynamics of the game, and uh, and we're but we're getting legitimate pressure even when we rush three or four, and uh, that's really nice to see. So, yeah, 
No, the uh, the front, I, I agree. It's weird that I actually felt more confident in the defense um, and how they were, you know, making it difficult for Ward. Uh, it's great to see. Trice has been – I thought the first half of the season, I was like, where the heck is Trice? You know, he apparently leads the country in, in pressures but has zero sacks, you know, and it's like, well, what's going on? He's a preseason All-American. I, I feel like he's not making an impact. But the last several weeks, I agree, he has been finally getting uh, – more jersey than you know than he was uh, at the beginning of the season, and actually putting guys down or putting them into other players. Um, but but uh, it's it's finally coming together where he's having that that serious kind of all Americanish uh, impact up front. Uh, I will I'll backtrack one thing that was driving me crazy since we were talking about the the last that last drive. You know the the thing with with Penix though too is he throws red zone interceptions like crazy. That's one thing that we know he does. Like you know mm-hmm. that he he will try to mm-hmm. force it. He's he's proven he he'll do that. It's much different to me than the Oregon game where you know we were on the road and we were already looking at like a thirty you know high thirties forty yard field goal as is. I mean this was we've been running the ball well. You have Oregon State has one timeout so the clock won't be an issue. Um, there's you no reason we can put that into a sub. Uh, or you Washington mean, State. Yeah, yeah, Washington State. <laughs> I'm, I'm just so pissed off at everyone. I, 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 it's all blending together. I mean, the the Northwest, like, championship of horror, it's been just the whole season. I, I got to say, you know, the this stretch of 19 straight wins, I mean, I went. I was at the Alamo game. I don't – it's amazing to feel like we're 12-0 and 0 and everything's amazing. We, we don't lose games. And I, I don't know if I've enjoyed, like, a single win. I'm just like every single game has been just like what just happened, you know. I can't even I can't even relax. There's there's no blowout, um, you know. And and it's not because of of like just freak circumstances within the game that have us have to you know gut it out and find a way to win. It's it's coaching blunders. It's putting our guys in bad positions. Um, you know, going back to Penix, all we do you talk about the kill shot. We have on film us going over the top nonstop in every single game. We will try to throw it over you. Defensive coaches on the other sideline know that. Like, we put enough out there for them to be cautious of it and give us some space. We will try to throw it over you when it's, like, second and one. We'll do it every single time we can. And so, as a result, if Penix is actually hurt, we don't know this or not. I'm not in the locker room. But if there is something going on with him, like, why not use that to your advantage and hit the intermediate routes and start doing these easier throws that are going to be open because of what we put on film, that we throw it over the top. It's like the the, 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 the whole staff has done such an incredible job. And then there's these, these random blind spots that are just completely limiting the potential of this team. And so it is like this weird, frustrating, like, I, we want DeBoer to stay. I love DeBoer. I've been a fan of his when you guys were pumping Campbell. Like, I love this guy. He's a winner. Hang on. I was the only one. Joey Bully need to be excluded from that. Okay. I'm, <laughs> that blindly, I'm blindly squeezing the trigger out the window right now. I have no idea. I, I'm just, I just I don't understand why we cannot have this, just some, some of the more simple concepts or just, hey, like, we, if Penix is really down and out or he's going through something or, you know, we didn't have, you know, McMillan's knocking the rust off. Like, take what they're giving you. Um, defensively, I, I actually, you know, it's the DBs have been scrambled. You, got, you finally have Bruner in there. Holtz Claw looked like he actually has some heat from the edge. Trice, like I said, is yeah. coming up. I mean, 
and, and uh, you know, Thule is is awesome in the middle. Like Thule's legit. When he's in there, the whole thing changes. We get the. I mean, it's just that that side of the ball. As much as I hate all those coaches too, has come around, and there's way more confidence there than there is on the offensive <laughs> side. Because on we still got Penix throwing sixty yards across the field for a five yard out into double coverage, <laughs> and like you, you, you pretty much. You pretty much <laughs> know so if if Rome's on an island that we're gonna go to him, and so and we do the same route every single time with him. And it's like, okay, I mean, even last week against Oregon State, that third and short play was just ridiculous. Like, let's throw it twenty five yards down the field. Um, you know, mm-hmm. guys are gonna start baiting Penix. They're gonna start making it look like Rome's on an island, and then okay, so Michael's gonna obviously go to Rome, and then they're gonna bring in help over the top, and he's gonna throw a pick. I mean, it, it's you're going to start seeing defenses adapt to this. Um, maybe they already have, but anyways, I, I kind of went off on a little tangent there. But like the whole, the whole, everything that we want is right in front of us. And I love this team so much, and I want Husky Nation to have that final Pac-12 championship. I want them to go to the playoffs. Like this is in my mind the last real playoff. The 12-team playoff is just like okay, like everyone, everyone gets a a spot, right? But this is four-team yep. playoff to be a team that got there twice. I think that would say a lot about the program moving forward. Like, hey, we're not just a one-and-done program. We're a team that can sustain success and be a top-four contender uh, when when the start of the line. And so I just – I this next – this upcoming game, it can still be won. I mean, we're still the same guys who have won and beat Oregon twice Um it's just, it's just really. There's something going on where there's the communication with the coaching staff and what the game plan is. It's been off. Um, and there's and all so, kinds of I mean, speculation. But there's all uh, kinds of craziness. Yes, but uh, am I interrupting you, or can I say something? Or no, please interrupt. You, oh, okay. Um, what I want to see next week, uh, next Friday against Oregon in the box score when it's all said and done. I want to see uh, Westover with seven catches. I want to see Dylan Johnson with five catches. And uh, I want to see a higher uh, completion percentage for Penix. And I also want to see uh, Polk actually get whatever's going on in Polk's head. He's got to – we need him badly. He's got to get back in the in the swing of things. Yeah, Willie, do you sure. have any thoughts there? Or Joey? <laughs> I mean, if we're uh... – I don't know if we're going to the looking ahead point. I'm telling myself I'm already – I'm going to give it a few days to just enjoy and appreciate it uh, before I start looking ahead. But I do have – you know, looking ahead, there's a ton of things. I think with the check down stuff, I mean, there's two things to, like, think about with me. It's like, one, against Arizona, at least for a long time, I remember they were just kind of taking what they got and running the ball and throwing the West over and guys in the flats and stuff. And they that's how they got up by, like – they controlled the game against Arizona until things fell apart who, you know, that ended up being, ends up being a really good win. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I do hope that they, they have that in them. And uh, I, I do think part of that though, was I think Arizona chose the, uh, the permanent prevent strategy against them where I think other teams have gone with the blitz up the middle thing. And I've kind of, I think they've kind of figured out the blitz up the middle. I think now they've just got ghosts or something. I don't know. As we said, we could speculate in 20 different directions what the fuck is going on with Penix and the team and the coaches and everything like that. But I, I do think I do think there's a good comparison. You know, it's uh, you always want to compare your coach to Belichick, but I do think there is a good comparison there of like Belichick 
wins ugly. You never remember Patriots games of them blowing teams out, but they just win. Uh, and they don't just go off a bunch of momentum and stuff like that. So I think it's interesting. Uh, I, I do think something's up with the team, but I, I also think they just they know how to win. It's fucking hard. And I, I actually, to go back to what I really wanted to say, is like going into the season, I was like, this year is going to be different. There's all the pressure. There's high expectations. It's not as fun as last year. And it sucks that last year they got fucked over and didn't get to play for the Pac-12 championship or the Rose Bowl. That's, and historically, that's going to be fucking painful. Uh, but this year is a lot different. Pressure, you know, to week after week have to take everyone's best shot and to hold on to something. Uh, and then, you know, I almost feel like the defense is getting better because the expectations are so low that they're just out there playing <laughs> where the offense is like every little step is, you know, scrutinized and – going to win the Heisman, and I hope the Heisman stuff is over. The Heisman's fucking stupid. Uh, Bo Nix is going to win it for throwing four-yard four yard out patterns where ASU safeties who quit in the fucking season didn't tackle the guy and he ran for touchdowns. So who fucking cares? Uh, the fucking dork who is starting five seasons full in, in college. Uh, I know Penix has been here for five, but he hasn't started. It's only second season starting. So, uh, yeah, I, I think forget all that shit and just – they're winning, and I yeah, when we're ready, when we're ready to start going, we're going forward. Uh, we're gonna go forward, and uh, this is uh, it, I think it was a for fans and players. It's been a lot. It's been a fucking. I hope they have something left in the tank because it has been a just absolute grind. You know what? Uh, and I said this on the board a few days ago, but it's like. You look back at the 2000 Rose Bowl season, they had all those games that were so close down to the wire over and over and over. You get to the Apple Cup, and it was a 51-3 to blowout, and it was just it was over at halftime, and everybody could just relax and celebrate uh, the conclusion of the regular season. And all of us, all three of us talking to before one or two weeks ago, we were I think it was two weeks ago, we were all saying the Huskies are going to come out all greased up on one of these, and they're due for just a blowout. And then... You know, you you're, you got three seconds left in the third quarter, and you're tied. And, and you know, even even that was just like we should have been up by four at that point, right? And uh, and instead, uh, what was it? Well, no, we were up. That was the early fourth quarter, wasn't it? When the, when Hampton had the uh, little leaping penalty and all that, and uh, took points <laughs> off the board. And then the yeah, that was anyway. that was coming. That was coming because he did yeah. it on the uh, uh, he did it on the on the Cougar missed field goal and yep. didn't get called for it. I thought, I thought that is dicey. They're, they better do something about that. And no fucking Dom Hampton going to be Dom Hampton. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was you know, uh... one thing. One thing I noticed uh, being at all these games is uh, the one team that I thought when they came, cause we sit by the, uh, by the visitors' tunnel, the one team that I thought running out um, before the game that didn't look like, you know, uh, greased up, as Wooly dude would say, uh, was Cal. That was the one team that didn't look like fired up to be there. Hmm. And that's the one team in conference that the Huskies just, you know, just completely dismantled. Every team I've seen come out of the huddle, like, it's, it was weird, like, Cougar fans yesterday, they just seemed like they were just there for the most part. 
you know, the ones that were kind of walking by us and and sitting by us, they just seemed like, you know, oh, this is just, you know, we live on the west side and we, we go to the Apple Cup every year. This is what we do. Like, they didn't seem pumped up like like they normally would, uh, you know, at an Apple Cup at Husky Stadium. But their players looked like they, you know, they wanted it and they wanted to play. And, yeah, and uh well, and then and then they, you know, you let them hang around, and then all of a sudden their fans are into it, and it's it's like, man, this is, you know, we we don't have to make it this easy for for everybody to hang around. I thought if the Huskies would have got up fourteen to nothing, yeah, I thought I thought the Cougars would have been done. You know, um, I think they got the perfect head coach for that that fucking podunk program. Uh, the fucking whiny bitch fest he does after every fucking game. I mean, what a fucking clown that guy is. He's whining yeah. about that roughing. He's whining about that roughing. What a fucking uh, little bitch that guy is. I mean, he's perfect. He's a, you know, J- Jim Walden should be proud of that fucking guy because that, that's all they do is they fucking whine about bullshit. I will say off. this. I do agree with you that he, he has the beta quality to him or whatever. Uh, if you're talking about that final drive, I, I, I do agree that that was, uh, should have been a no call on that, on that. Oh, it's, it's, I thought, it's a horrible call, but, but fuck off. Every, every team has these horrible calls. You, you think the boner was going to get up and just start bitching about uh, a grounding call. Like that's, that's what he's going to focus the fucking game on. If, if the, the Huskies would have lost. You think he's going to focus on that horse shit grounding call, which was a worse call than the fucking roughing? Fuck you, yeah, Dicker. Terrible. You fucking dipshit. What a what a beta <laughs> piece of shit that guy is. He's perfect. He's perfect for your fucking stupid program. Fuck that guy. <laughs> All right, Joey. <laughs> I. Coming in, I agree. I, he I fucking, mean, all he I mean, does is he's complaining to the refs the whole fucking game. I watched, you know, some of the replay this morning, and it was like it, it would skip ahead, and every time I'd skip ahead, it was like right on Dickert whining about something. It's like fuck you, dude. Seriously, I mean, a perfect example of him is like uh, the last two years they went to bowl games and they were just catastrophic embarrassments uh, in both of them after, like, playing really hard in the Apple Cup where it's like, yeah, I, I guarantee you they weren't fired up for their bowl game, but he had them all built up for the fucking Apple Cup because uh, in 2022 they got embarrassed by Central – or 21 they got embarrassed by Central Michigan. Uh, oh, in yeah. 22 they got, just, they got just hammered by Fresno State. It's like, yeah, that's that's your – they got the coach they wanted, the guy who's, like, making the Apple Cup to see them. They've always – They've always come alive last two years before the Apple Cup. Like they're like, all right, this is where we turn the corner. We're not gonna, we're not gonna make sure that we win the games in the middle of the season. We can win. We're getting ready for this game. But yeah, I, uh, it's, I, their fans were interesting. They were way more docile than I ever expected and have become used to. I, I think the early kick time helped with that. People aren't nearly as drunk. Uh, and other than that, I don't know. They just, they weren't very hostile. They weren't that into it. Like, it kind of seemed like they were kind of like, okay, if we're going to win, we're going to win, where it's like, God, this is your chance, and it's a beatable Husky team. This isn't like, you know, 
91 or even 2016. Because I, I don't know how to compare this team to 2016, but I, I think that team was just way better at blowing teams out. Uh, and, yeah, I, I, it, was, it was a weird environment. And I don't think – I thought the Cougs were ready you – know, pretty perfect. The Cougs were ready to lay down when they were down like 7 nothing, And then I think they hit like a, a, like a deep pass where the guy caught it really crazily and that kind of got him going. Uh, and then they were ready. They were kind of like Montana almost, where you kept looking at their sideline to be like, they didn't really believe, and then like some shit would happen, and they would like kind of be like, oh, we can actually win this game. And yeah, I uh, I don't want to let it slide by since I know the coaches and everyone are listening to, but the missed Cougar field goal was right in front of us, and me and Joey were like, like he should have got called for leaping. Like if if the Cougars fans were around us were good fans, like I would have been losing my fucking mind of like, that's a fucking penalty. That was obvious. Uh, mm-hmm. it, and then I don't know, maybe the coaches just didn't see it. Cause it was like, uh, no one saw it happen, but they should have been like, Hey, dipshit. Absolutely. Never do that again. Uh, especially <laughs> like that was like a fifth. The Cougar attempt was a long, like a 49, 50 yarder. Like you don't need to fucking try to block that that hard. Like, he's not probably not going to make it. And then he did it on the short one, which is, again, a really short field goal. Like, the guy's probably just going to make it, move on, be happy we only gave up three points, and he did it again. So, I don't know if that's that's just dumb, dumb play. And then we followed it with the press coverage, which I think it was Jackson, right? And he's the one they got beat at the pylon? Uh, in the half, before halftime? Yes. Because that was a huge. Yeah, that uh, that wasn't the uh, conjunction with the Hampton situation, but you you were talking no, that about was dumb. with yeah. other boneheads. That was third and, and it, yeah, that was third and eighteen. I think they only yep. yeah, it was like third and eighteen. They only had like thirteen, fifteen seconds left. They had no timeouts, so you're you're right. almost just like if he gets a step on you, just fucking push him out of the end zone, and take the penalty, because then they would have had yeah. like four seconds left, and to just let the guy even get a, t- a chance on the ball is just such situational terrible awareness uh i did flip off the camera because the the ref i'm this is i'm such a psychotic fan that the refs had confirmed instead of the play stands because the fucking ball was like half in the guy's wrist uh and he, he for like a fraction of a fucking fraction of a second in the actual end zone to say that was confirmed is fucking horseshit uh so i was, uh, I was pretty pissed I was but, yeah, but it's terrible TV. I I don't I felt it would have been wrong if they had over if they had overturned that. I don't think I understand what you're the saying. He could, the fact that he confirmed it, like that guy did not barely, barely, barely had it, barely in the end zone. But yeah, no, that's terrible. That's a waste of time. It's terrible situa- situational awareness, though. To even give that guy that a position. shot. Yeah, give that guy the shot to even catch it. Like take a penalty. You're that's fine. Like that's that's yeah, it's just bad. I think is I think Elijah the, Jackson. The press coverage. So sorry, dude. Well, I was thinking that the press coverage in that scenario is like unforgivable. Third, third and eighteen, and you have Elijah Jackson up in this guy's grill, and like you said, like they can't stop the clock. I mean, just you you give them the field goal if anything. They may not even be able to scramble up in time and get one off. Like I already missed one, you know, and and uh, and so just. <laughs> Just, I mean, little things like that. Where it's, and then again, on like a, then they'll they'll play twenty yards off when you need him on on third and five and, and give up a slant. It's like I, I don't understand. 
I don't understand <laughs> what the fuck we're doing half the time. But but yeah, that that was another one of those moments where I looked over to the liquor cabinet and was like, maybe today's the day. Uh, you know, because you know, it, it it reminded me of when when um, when Justin Herbert beat us. I think it was at Oregon, and we were we were kind of in control of that game, but kind of fucking up a little bit. And then they had that last minute, like incredible throw by Herbert to score a touchdown before half. And I just remember having this feeling in my gut, like, oh, that's going to come back and kill us, you know. And that's the game that we end up losing to them uh, in OT. Mm-hmm. Um, but but uh, but that same kind of feeling happened there. It's like, okay, we're up, we get the ball at half, we have a chance to go up two scores. All I want are all I'm asking for is a two-score lead. I'm not even asking for a fucking blowout. I just want, like, two-score quickly. Just so when our when our defense fucks up, we're, we're going to be okay. You know, just give me that much of anxiety yeah. relief. It's not the world I'm asking for. And and so I'm sitting thinking, like, okay, and he does that play, and he, I agree. I think it's a catch. I don't want to live in a world where that's not a catch. I think that – No, it's like, a catch. It's enough. a catch. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just but, mad. But like, I'm just a that, bitch. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> I just say he said confirmed because I don't think it was fucking confirmed. Fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah, when he when he made that play, I was like, I had that same hurt, you know, Herbert play kind of feeling like, God, yeah, yeah, you know, that's gonna that's gonna kill us, man. And and the games like next week or whatever, like or in the playoffs, God forbid, or whatever NY six we end up playing in, like those are the. Like we're a winners win team, but we don't make the winning plays a lot of times. I don't, I don't know how it's working, but it's working. But yeah, that 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 one in particular killed me too. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, that's that's all I have on that on that part. Uh, and I before... would like to see Westover just once. I would like to see Westover <laughs> hit in stride with the pass instead of having to uh, gyrate himself six yards uh, this way or that way to contort his body in midair and make an unbelievable catch. How about hitting him in stride with yeah. some space in front of him? The guy's yeah. such a winner. Before I forget, can I make one positive thing about the rest? Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, in early in the game, they called holding penalties on their tackle when Trice and guys were getting after the quarterback. And yeah. they were holding. And guess what? They stopped fucking doing it, and they started getting pressure. That's I, I don't know why Great today point. was that yet that they finally called it and they called it early so it was like oh so when Josh Connerly every single fucking play is reaching backward and grabbing trice because he's getting his fucking ass beat call it and then they'll stop they'll have to stop and adjust or they'll have to keep getting holding penalties that was the only game where I was like oh they're actually going to call it today and guess what it made a difference so uh, I appreciate that and Tuli may have saved the game he was only in in one. I think he was only in a one series late in the fourth when they really needed a stop, and it was like a second and short, and he beat the guy so bad he had to grab him, uh, and then that put him back at like second and 12, and they got him off the field at like midfield. But, yeah, call holding early in the game when it's happening, and then the team will have to adjust. But they, if they don't do it, then they'll just do it the whole game. Yeah, Tooley is incredible. He He is like this year's – Joe Mathis award for like when he is not on the field, the defense completely changes. When Tooley's on the field, the defense is is actually good. When he's gone, it's like all bets are off. Who knows what's going to happen? I would say two players. I would say it's noticeable when Bruner's not on the field. Now. Oh yes, yeah. agree. Bruner's playing great. All he does is make plays. All he does is make plays. It's like multiple times 
Willie Duke and I look out on the field, and I'm like, it's Tuputala and uh, Goforth out there. And it was like the Cougars had no problem going down the field. It was like, what do they need? What what more do they need to see? These guys, these guys are your your uh, you know your change of pace guys, or your uh, I, I don't, lack of a better better term. I, I don't know that your your subs. You know your they mm-hmm. they should be playing minimal. It should be Eddie and Bruner out there. Bruner had mm-hmm. 14, 14 tackles again. You know, I mean he he's so, he's funny. fantastic. He, he walked. Yeah, he walked by us uh, yesterday, and we were all we we're all partying pretty hard after the you know post game and saw and multiple said, players. Nice game, pretty boy. Fuck yeah, we we hugged we <laughs> hugged him. Nice everybody everybody hugged him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we hugged him. We were like, we're like, hey, we're we're happy you're a dog, man. We, I mean, we're, you know, I couldn't I couldn't sing his praises enough. Um, that guy, is ball, that guy is balling out big time. We do have Huskies that listed to the show. I don't know if there's a lot of them, but I know there's at least a couple. And uh, that was a Seinfeld reference. I'm not calling Bruder a pretty boy. So let's make that clear. So. <laughs> It's a little bit of a dandy. <laughs> uh, hey, go, going back to uh, uh, that was that was a putty that was a putty reference. Uh, <laughs> Bruner's not a dandy. <laughs> uh, Another side belt reference. Yeah, so uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, if they, if they aren't listening, uh, we were the we were the drunk guys next to that big white bus that was chanting twelve and zero. Uh, we were we were drinking drinking beer, listening to listening to hard rock music, really 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 loud, and uh, chanting twelve and zero. And I was basically changing every words to the whatever song was playing that would uh, it would reference twelve and zero Huskies. <laughs> so and there was a, yeah. I don't remember who the poster was, but he said he was walking past and he saw the big giant hardcore Husky flag and he wanted to say hello, but then he did want to. Come across as a weirdo. <laughs> right? yeah, I was, it was it was Dukeville. I told him. I told him, hey, oh, stop okay. by. We're all weirdos. Don't worry. About it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, to go back to that uh, that that play, um, uh, the touchdown before half for the Cougars. Uh, Jackson is just. I think he's one of those guys that. He's in position because it was good coverage. You know, it's like he's right there, but he's one of those guys that just plays just don't happen for him. You know, it's hard to – doesn't have the nose for the ball, like like Bruner, for example. It just is like, you know, there's guys where the ball ball bounces in the air, you know, and it it lands in their hands. There's just guys that I – you know, it's luck or whatever. It's luck combined with football instincts, you know, it, it combined with resilience. And it, it's just, it's just one of those, one of those weird, weird things. Right. You know, there was Keyshawn the area, you know, recovered what, like seven, <laughs> eight, nine fumbles that one season. Like there, there's just something about roll right to him. those. Yeah. And roll right to him. You know, Elijah Jackson, he may just be that guy where he's like, 
yeah, he wasn't the starter. We all know that, you know, whatever. But he may just be that guy where nothing goes right for him, <laughs> even when he's in a perfect situation, you know. Uh, because uh, we, I noticed Dixon played a lot in the second half, and, you know, he had an interception where the ball was thrown right to him. And, you know, maybe maybe that's an answer is Thaddeus Dixon needs to be playing more. You know? By the way, is Asa done for the year, or I haven't heard any update on him? Unsuited yesterday. Uh, yeah, he had surgery, I think, but uh, I I don't know, because he played against Oregon with, like, that huge uh, giant club thing, so I wouldn't be surprised if they put him back out there with, like, a club or something. They've kind of saved him for this game. I, I don't know, but that's complete, complete and utter speculation. I'd be curious. I haven't looked or watched to see. I think Thule, Thule only played that, like, one series uh, when they, like, they were like, this is the season, yes or no. So I, I would be curious if they weren't going to play him at all unless they needed to, uh, which is good, but also, like, just – it's a, it's a roll of the dice. I mean, they, they've been doing that all season of just like, I think they play a lot of 4D chess with who they use and how they use them. And same thing with like Bruner, uh, you know, and subbing those guys, I think I'm almost like they just, they really play, they really play every game as like a one game season. It seems like to me and they're trying to figure it out. So I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, Ace is back and, uh, I thought I thought I saw Fabikulanen out there for like one series too, which he wasn't supposed to play. So I don't know. The whole thing is fucking mysterious uh, of who's playing, who's hurt, how hurt they are. Uh, it's super weird. No Cam Fab yesterday. He's. I thought he's I saw him a... for like a, one series or something, right? Yeah, yeah, maybe you're right. But I saw him in no, one uh, play where I noticed him. Yeah, I yeah, one play at least. I think yeah. Uh, great. Well, no, I just what, saw the I, I, Indiana Indiana fired their head coach, so uh, that's one half of my prediction is uh, <laughs> on Grub uh, going to Indiana. <laughs> well, I don't like you know. Someone said posted after last game of, like, we want to see an extension, something announced with DeBoer, at very least right after the Apple Cup. Uh, then someone was saying last night that, you know, something smells a little off about, like, everything, and there's been no announcement. So I I am a bit worried that, you know, I'm not worried about Grub. I don't, I, I don't like the – I don't like the, you know, falling in love with your coordinator shit, and I think they fucked up doing it with Lake and – Kwiatkowski and spending a bunch of money on that. I think Oregon's a good example of just fucking bringing in someone new every year and magically they work. Uh, I, I don't, I, I'm worried about DeBoer, but I just, I don't know any job that would make any sense for him to take though. I could see A&M being did, like, did you A&M say you are saying, worried about DeBoer or you're not? No, I'm not. I, well, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, do, yeah. I oh. don't, I don't like, I, there's something unsettling about no, no extension being announced yet. And the way the team kind of seems to have this weird energy around them. Uh, I am a little worried about, but I just don't see a job 
unless Michigan is secretly Harbaugh's gone or something that would, and they're not going to have sanctions or something that I don't see a job that makes sense, but I could see, you know, A&M dangling 120 million or something. And then his agent and his, you know, other people in his life being like, come on, man, like you gotta, you gotta do that in Washington kind of being like, well, we got to see if we can scrape together the money and put it. So yeah, I'm a little bit worried about that, but I am positive about, when WSU tried to receive her pass, that Bruner, again, Bruner got like 40 yards downfield and was right there. So, like, I don't think he broke it up, but, like, he was right there. And if the ball got tipped by whatever cornerback was there, if the ball got tipped, like, it was like a least 50% chance he was going to have a good shot to intercept it. So the guy is just fucking money, uh, and he needs to play every single play uh, on Friday. Yeah, you would so, like uh, to think that um, you you would like to think that if Washington's like a big boy program and DeBoer's our head coach, that something could have been announced by now. Um, like, there's enough evidence to be like, we want him here, and you, we would like to to have enough confidence that know that he has enough confidence in our ability to to get the recruits that he wants and have the infrastructure in place around him to to do what he wants to do. And the fact that it's kind of like we're still in negotiation or silent is a little concerning. Um, I feel okay because we got the two the two lanes uh, um, AD, so I, I feel like we're we're better positioned, hopefully, to to make some announcements and get something done. Um, but but yeah, it's like it's kind of frustrating that, that it hasn't really nothing. It's kind of there's this weird fog around the team and then all this coaching stuff is starting to shake up and, and nothing's really being announced one way or the other. Um, it's concerning. I do like the fact that Sharon Moore has beaten Penn State and Ohio State in the absence of Harbaugh and the team seems to love him and that's taken some of the uh, pressure. You know, Michigan will probably get another, let's say Harbaugh leaves. I feel like there's going to be a lot of pressure with, from within to get Sharon Moore that, that, yeah, that gig. So that might take some of the pressure off of, of like, a, a major program. But, um, yeah, it is a little interesting right now. It's like I've never seen a team that's had so much success and, like, it feels like it feels like nobody knows what's going on. Maybe we're all just projecting as just, you know, lifelong Husky fans who have never gotten anything good in our lives. Well, in the same way that I <laughs> – well, we can't have nice things. Um, that – you know, I, as I am the, the guy that a few years ago accurately said, look, just looking at Peterson's uh, body language and the way he's talking and stuff, and I think that he came to Washington because he thought he could revive his love for football, and he found out that he still brought his same problems with him here, and, <laughs> and he hates and he hates everything about the program and, and his job, and he wants out. And that ended up being the case. And so if my understanding of human psychology is – accurate again at all i look at DeBoer and i don't i think if he's getting if he's getting uh nine million or 13 million i don't think that either one of those numbers would matter all that much to him because it would give him more than enough to have a very comfortable existence and he just strikes me as a guy that uh is a, a, a he's he's the same understated uh, i don't want to say his Don James, totally different personalities, but he's understated and that fits that fits seattle in that sense um and I think that he feels he could uh, he could achieve all of his biggest ambitions as a coach, and without having to go to the meat grinder that is Texas A&M or whatever. So, 
I, I'm really just not worried, you know, and then maybe we all end up getting shocked by a headline five days from now or something, but I just don't, I'm not really worried. And he hasn't even been here two full years yet. So, the, you know, the idea that, oh, my God, we don't have the extension yet, it's kind of like, well, okay, man, we're not even done with the second year yet. So, you know, um, if we were, you know, in mid to late summer of next year and there's still no talk of an extension, it would be kind of maybe a little bit concerning or whatever. But I'm really – I'm not that worried, and he played such a large role reportedly in bringing Dan in or selecting Dan in, uh, to come here. Um and then, and then, then even just little bits of it, uh, evidence like Anna Marie Casse being so visible suddenly with DeBoer here, it just signals that there's a nice respect and mutual respect and relationship between the athletic department and upper campus. And um, it just feels like the thing that we've all been yearning for and, and, quote, fighting for for so long in the trenches and hiding out in the hills above Havana and all this and all the days in the, the Husky half brain revolution and everything pretty much got everything we want right now. Other than maybe not good enough recruiting. Go <laughs> <laughs> That's all folks. Thanks for listening today. We'll get you later. <laughs> That's why he expected to go to shit. That's the PTSD talking right there. So, <laughs> make a good I've point about me. recruiting, though. Just the fact that if, if the board takes a program like a Michigan or an A and M or something like that, like top ten classes, top five classes would be the expectation, but top ten classes at the bare minimum would be what's required of him. Whereas. Washington so far, like, we'll accept a top 25 class. Uh, you know, we'd like to get top 15 if we can, but good NIL and a top 25, that's pretty much the formula and then great development. So that that might, you know, unless he just comes out of nowhere and starts shocking us with top five classes, it just doesn't seem like that's really what his program is going to be built on. So um, he is in a good spot to, I think, have everything he needs to be successful clearly uh, without having to, to deal with some of the – that, that top five elite recruiting muddy pit that, that exists at some of the other places. As far as recruiting goes, I'll take some kind of mixture of what, you know, a top 10 program does and, and what, uh, you know, what a program like Iowa does with their player development, you know, um, I'd take something like that. You know, I, I, I I'm not I'm kind of over the whole the whole star ratings and and yeah you fucking uh, you, you get your bonus checks for signing some some fucking five star that only plays in seven on seven tournaments and shit. You know, yeah go go take those guys that you know when they put on a helmet and pads fold and look like a look like a little puss running around out there. Uh, it's sort of a shot at Oregon, but you know how I roll. <laughs> um, I'm getting kind of irritated at the, at the local media. Like they're, they're almost wishing this DeBoer to Michigan thing in existence. Like, Oh, he grew up in South really? Dakota. He's gotta be a, he's gotta be a Michigan fan. How do you know? What if what if South Dakota people are 
Iowa fans or Nebraska or Minnesota or, or Ohio. Like, shut up with your Michigan talk. Maybe he doesn't want to go to that fucking school. They've got scandals. They're going to get uh, they're going to get some kind of sanction over this thing. Like, stop, stop talking about it. And why would he want to go to Texas A and M? We already discussed this. Texas A and M is is like a coach killer. You, you go, you, you think you're moving up and you're getting promoted, and they they fucking suck every year. Like fuck Texas A and M. Stop talking about them. I'm really angry this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost, I almost Fair don't want to uh, say the words Dan Lanning, and you might just uh, go off to the deep end there. So. <laughs> well, I'm joking. I mean, really. <laughs> I, I mean that. I mean, he. You know, we we said it last week too. Like he shouldn't even he shouldn't even flirt with that job. I mean, look what look what every Oregon coach before him, you know, has done. They go somewhere else. They think it's all, you know, greener pastures or whatever, and and then they they fail. Like go to that program where everything everything they touch turns to gold for for no fucking reason. They hire a guy and they sit him. They they hire an offensive coordinator. They sit him down. They go, look, we do uh we do a lot of uh you know peewee football backwards passes and and throw it. We throw it sideways the whole fucking game and and we fake injuries. And we get all jacked up for a for a five star recruit that is like fat and overweight when they get into the program and they'll transfer out. But it's okay. We'll we'll keep winning games and these teams will just lay down when we you know, when we throw these little screen passes. They'll they'll lay down, they'll fall over and they'll quit mid play and let us walk into the end zone. We're gonna we're gonna fucking bury those guys on Friday. Fuck the ducks. <laughs> Oh dear! Now we're talking. <laughs> well, you you pussies can be afraid, not me, not the. I didn't guy. say afraid. What is your definition of bury? A greedy, gross field goal to break a tie score. Sure. Win, win the fucking game. Win the fucking game. Joey, my I definition wanna, of bury. Winning I by twenty-seven points. And 0. I want to go thirteen and zero and have every team go. Yeah, but after every fucking win. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, yeah but they take your take your imaginary wins, Oregon fan. Take your imaginary wins and shove them up your ass. I don't fucking care how much you beat another team. We won that game in October and it counted. And fuck off. And we didn't exactly. play our A game. We didn't play our A game. <laughs> That's true. Well, That's true. They've had they've had zero they've had zero injuries. They've had zero uh, problems with weather. I mean, every game has been perfect for them. They've had they have teams that come in and lay lay down and and have quit while playing them. Like Oregon State, that effort they put out there on on Friday. Holy shit. You know, talk about a team that, you know, found out that their coach is leaving the program and they just decided, well, we don't want to play football anymore against our rivals. So, and, and we emptied our tank against Washington last week. So what a what a clown show that was. 
Yep, I didn't well, see the game, but I've heard that from uh, repeatedly from various people that the Beeb seemed to just lay down. So, yeah, I mean, you knew Jonathan it was coming. Smith. Yeah. Get the fuck out of there. Get out of there, Smith. <laughs> go to a go to a good program where they're not going to lay down to and piss their pants against the Ducks. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Joey. Yeah, I mean, Joey you knew that was coming once. Edgar Cast. <laughs> once, uh, once it was announced that Smith, it started to leak that Smith was gone. I mean, it's just been a whole season of like every team. Is either yeah, it, the timing has been impeccable. Uh, I'm not take I'm not going to take away from them like what what's been going on. Uh, they 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 play well. They don't make mistakes and they get up for every game. But holy fuck, it's just like really the <laughs> last civil war ever. And the coach, the Oregon State coach, is going to leave the week before. It's just like fuck, man. Like it's just it's been that year. So it's on Washington to just see what they got left in the tank and see if you can do it. This is going to be a dumb question, but uh, did Smith coach that game or was he already gone? He coached, but I believe he was there. Yeah. I don't know how long it was before, but the media, there was media leaks like two, a a day or two before that were like, hey, he's all but, he's all but gone. So I, I assume either like, they had a conversation before everyone, I don't know. It's almost weirder. Like, yeah. What did the players know and stuff like that? So, I mean, they clearly looked like with their performance, they looked like they, uh, they, they, they were, they were not up for the task. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's the end of the season. I, I think it fucking sucks that now you run the table the only time in the pack 12 and you got to go play another game against the team you already beat. Or it was going to be another game against Arizona against the team you already beat, uh, and that's what college football is. And now we got to play this extra uh, game six days later, which again, congratulations, uh, Pac-12. Like you have the game everyone wants to watch. The other conference championships, other than Alabama and Georgia, no one gives a fuck about. And we're, we're playing a Friday at five o'clock Pacific time. Uh, <laughs> great, great, great job. Congratulations, and you're basically setting up a situation where you would have a good shot at getting both of your teams into the playoffs, but instead you uh, set up this elimination game uh, that you did not need to do. So congratulations on that as well. Um, and how many people in the really... Mountain West, or uh, how many, uh, not Mountain West, in the Mountain Time Zone and in the Pacific Time Zone aren't even going to see half the game or the whole game yeah. because of the 5 o'clock it's... kickoff? It's ridiculous. Yeah, why? It's the whole. It's just everything is just perfect. Pac-12, just fucking shooting yep. yourself in the foot for no reason. It's really amazing, and it really should be the Saturday night prime game. I mean, imagine if you had Washington, Oregon, and then followed by Alabama versus Georgia. I mean, if you're a football fan yeah. anywhere, oh my god, yeah. you know. Yeah. No, instead it's that Friday. So great. Uh, so why don't we uh, tackle the no pun intended let's tackle the questions here from our readers and then we'll uh, and then we'll uh, wrap things up uh, or dog says uh, we already kind of talked about this but why does this offense refuse to take the easy yards 
seems like screens to roam and crossing routes to Westover are available every single play for 8 to 15 yards. Seems weird they don't do that more. And we kind of speculated that might even be more Penix than Grubb for all we know. But I'm going to move on unless any of you want to add to that. No, I would I would just say it's a good example of I feel like Oregon's like, look, the Pac-12 defense is fucking stuck. Just throw a fucking four-yard pass every time, and eventually the guys just aren't going to make the tackle or they're always going to give up three extra yards. And the Huskies instead try to throw fucking bombs every single play, and they get some behind the stick. So, yeah. Uh Grumble Stiltskin says, "Who are your? Who's your seat? Not very good English here. Who's your season MVP?" He says, "Dylan Johnson." And my thought is actually Odunze, and then perhaps even Johnson, and then Penix. But that's that's my thought. I think Rome Odunze is the MVP. Yeah, you got to go if you're being honest with yourself. It's got to be Rome because um, he's been the only guy actually producing against odds. Penix has fallen off pretty significantly the last half of the season. Um, I, I would, and I would throw in a, a curveball if you really want to get into it. MVP would be, would be either like a Muhammad or a Bruner. Like, like without one of those guys, um, you know, we lose games. Muhammad in particular has saved our ass on the defensive side, but overall MVP has got to be around. Well, I got a, I, I got a little swerve of 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 one for you. Is, uh, how important is uh how important is Mc, is a healthy McMillan to this offense? Hmm. You know, well, I mean him see. going out and him going out in the Michigan State game and and uh, our offense hasn't really been the same since minus a you know a blowout to blowout over Cal. Wouldn't it be great to just air it out next Friday night? All of a sudden, we look like this team from September again. That would be so I unbelievable. I have it's visions of it. I, I have, I have my <laughs> visions of like, yeah, what if McMillan puts it back together and we we got the we got that team? Uh, my, I think Odunze is an easy choice. I have noticed it seems like he's kind of like the vocal leader of the team too. Uh, if you see some of the videos and stuff that the team puts out, like he's the guy who kind of like makes the speeches and stuff, at least on offense, uh, which is one thing I, I do wonder if there's something weird with like all the panic type or something going on with that. But yeah, I didn't say also, I mean, that's it too. A fourth and one, he was the guy who got the ball and, and made the play. I mean, in all these games, he ended the Oregon state game. I mean, he, Penix is throwing these passes, but like against Oregon, like he caught the touchdown and put him up 11 and then he caught the one uh, to put him, uh, to, to win the game. I mean, against Oregon, too, they went for the kill shot up 11 with the ball. Dunes—they had to step on the guy, and Penick overthrew him. Uh, I mean, he's, he's the guy to me. He should be a Heisman candidate. Uh, and he's mm-hmm. going home to his hometown in Las Vegas. So, uh, mm. you know, the script is there. There's also Fautanu. Someone posted this. This isn't me. I mean, it, he's going home to Vegas. Uh, there's a lot of hype around Oregon as being the juggernaut. I, I think he's the easy MVP you know, no matter what happens the rest of the way. And and what Bruner, Bruner's not the team MVP per se, but what he has done defense. to solidify the middle of that defense is just unbelievable. And we won't belabor the, you know, the question of why has it taken so long and why, you know, to, to get the number of snaps he's getting now finally. But 
always in position, always with the nose for the football, always disruptive, just, just, just fantastic. So, um, and, uh, so let's see here. AEB, uh, he asked a question about Tolly. We already talked about that, but uh, he said, Penix, did the pressure get to him in the end? And he's obviously alluding to Michael Penix, uh, refusing to watch the winning field goal and burying his head into that little cupboard thing and acting, uh, distraught, I guess is probably the right word. It wasn't a really good look. Somebody was trying to compare it to Caleb Williams. Penix wasn't burying his face in his mother's bosom, so it's a little bit different. Um, but it wasn't a, wasn't a good look. Um, but I, I don't know. Again, as we all, I think the consensus among all four of us is that there's something going on with Penix and the team. Something's going on. We don't know what, but things are just off. The vibe is it's bright. So, yeah, we don't know don't if he's know. hurt or not or what the deal is. It's not – yeah, something is just weird. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's all speculation, but it certainly seems now, like it. I've known VA Dog for 15 years. Um, in fact, once upon a time when I was uh, writing a, about a book every, you know, 18 months or whatever, he he would pick one or two local high schools and he'd buy a copy for every single kid on that team, whatever the Husky book was. And uh, – um, uh, so the reason I bring that up, though, is that he says that he he has a friend who's a uh, scout for, I think, the New York Jets, I think he said, and that the word in, in those circles is that Penix is, uh, you know, has a, a, like a degenerative injury with his uh, shoulder. And uh, I'm not guaranteeing that that's accurate, but I am guaranteeing that this isn't some, you know, guy living in Salem in his basement or whatever and writing this out. <laughs> VA uh, VA Doc's the real deal, he, and he's got integrity. So take that for what it's worth. So, so then maybe uh, Grub should uh, stop throwing across the field for you know forty yards yeah. after a five yard game. Yeah. I mean that, that's what I. That's well, what I love how you said it. I, throwing sixty yards across the field for a five yard gain is such an image. <laughs> It's, it, I mean, we don't know. We're not in the locker room, and VA dog could be wrong, could be right. Who, who, knows, right. who cares? But the play calling suggests that they have faith in his arm to do crazy shit like that. So, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe position put him in a better position uh, and give give what's available or what he might be limited to in in the meantime. But I mean, whatever. My my big or one of my concerns with Penix is I already stated, I don't want to belabor the point, but I'll just say it again real quick. It's like you, you have these the little delay routes and they don't run it enough, but Westover's suddenly running across the middle wide open. Why can't he put the ball right on the money like the, a normal Michael Penix? Why is everything at his feet or three feet over his yeah. head? And that's not the Michael Penix we're used to. So, um, so, uh, Willinder, and he says, and I'll read the last part of his thing first. He says, to be honest, I just asked questions to make Stalin pronounce my handle. <laughs> so, um, he says, 12 and 0 Huskies versus 11 and 1, greatest team of all time, Ducks in Vegas. A fitting way for the Pac 12 to end, or a sad way for the Pac to end, given it is the greatest Pac 12 matchup ever in terms of the records involved. So, 
I don't know, maybe people would prefer a 12 and 0 USC versus a you know 11 and 1 UCLA or something. I don't know, but uh, I think it's you know I, I don't even know if the pack deserves the you know it's been so mismanaged. It's you know it's it's and it's already a sad thing that I'm pretty much over now. But uh, you know. I guess this is yeah, better than nine, nine and three Cal versus eight and four Arizona for the title or whatever. So, sure, yeah. who cares? It's also a stupid fucking game. <laughs> <laughs> it's also dumb, dumb as fuck. Yeah, it's uh, it's a great it, it's great drama, great theater. I think it's awesome. I mean, it really is the best matchup we've seen. It's uh, USC hasn't been really relevant for a long time. UCLA that rivalry is dead. I mean, so. Outside of, I think of a great rivalry on the West Coast, it's Washington, Oregon. It has been now, uh, especially since Peterson got there and, and kind of switched the ship around. Um, I, I just think that this is a this is this is why this is like the male soap opera times one thousand right now. This is exactly why you know, we get in, we get into this stuff is is for games like this. It, I hate that I'm I'm just a, a dude out here in Tennessee. Uh, I care so much. I hope the players care too. You know. I, I, and I know they do. That's what's so funny is I, I, I do feel like the team still has a, a strong brotherhood. I watch all the videos behind the scenes. There's, there's stuff going on, but, um, you know, they're still together. I mean, we can't lose sight of the fact that these guys are going out on the field on Friday. Are gonna, they've won a lot of games together. DeBoer's won a lot of games in general. Um, they should expect to win. And uh, maybe it's just our own anxieties and projecting onto the team uh that have lost sight of that, but but yeah, I think this is as good as it gets. This is it. Winner goes to the playoffs. Simple as that. Winner is the, the Pac-12, the final Pac-12 champion. I mean, put it's just uh, I can't wait. I really can't wait. And I'll, I'll touch it on was, Penix too because I don't want to bash him. The the, the the Penix, the whole looking into the cover that that doesn't bother me as much. Obviously, it's very emotional, and there's they're not. It's very frustrating to be like the guy on like the king of the king of the mountain. Everyone talking about him six weeks ago to we can't even punch it in and he almost threw it away and then he got sat. Yeah, there's a lot of emotions going there, and um, I still I still don't think that I would trade him. I mean, for for any for this particular team for any other any other quarterback, you know. And if mm-hmm. he has to have if it's a confidence issue, I don't know. Uh, but but he's won a lot of games now with DeBoer from even back in the Indiana days. Like like let's let's just fucking go out and. Play ball like Heisman talks over. No, don't have to worry about that anymore. The twelve and zero season. Don't have to. It's like the playoffs start Friday. Let's go play ball. You know, and and hopefully it's funny you talk about Oregon with the four yard passes, and we always make fun of bubble screens. This is actually one of the teams where I, I think we're built for bubble screens. We got Rome and yeah. Jimmy Bernard. Like, 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 no, we got we, we, we right. got we got the guys, dude. Fuck it, dude. I, I love it yeah. when we throw the ball sideways to to Rome because he's gonna bitch some CB. Uh, we're gonna block or set it up, slip a tackle. I was watching dude, Jeremy Bernard's true freshman highlight at Michigan State was him doing like a ten and in and housing that shit. Like we got guys to house it. He doesn't need to work so hard through the air. Like set him up for success. Throw it around. Get everyone involved. Run the, the the slant play the Cougs ran thirty times for success. Yeah, do whatever, but like make it make, make it easy on this guy, and and we'll win the game. Like we're gonna win. Um, and, but if we ask him to throw it eighty yards in the air, 
um, to a double-covered Rome. I mean, use Rome as a decoy and hit Westover on the inside. I mean, do – Bingo. I, I think we're winning. I think we're winning, man. And and, and uh, it, it just got to make it easy on Penix, take some of that emotional load off of them. Just, hey, we got you. Like, you don't need to be the Heisman anymore. All you got to be the do is just distribute the rock to all these guys, and we have different ways to do it. Um, and then and, and Dylan Johnson's perfect to just, you know, chunk out. He's like a poor man's yes. Chris Polk. He chunks yes. out a nasty four to seven. It looks kind of clunky, but guys just can't seem to tackle him. And he falls forward. Um, I, I, I like him. He reminds me of, you know, he's not, I don't think he's as good as Chris Polk, but he reminds me of like that poor man, Chris yeah. Polk, grind it out style. I, I, I like this team, mm-hmm. still, you know, and um, it's a, we're gonna, I think we're going to win, but we got to play like that. For the record, everybody. The Dougal uh, out there in uh, Tennessee now, uh, his dog has a Washington sweater. So, <laughs> true story. True. Did I just dock you? <laughs> that's, that's a good. That's a good comparison to Chris Polk because uh, they both were called soft at you know at certain points in their career, and, mm. and they look like yeah, they look like like fucking badasses. Out there running the ball, who don't fumble very much. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Except when uh, you know a guy comes flying in with a you know, he clubs at the ball that never works. <laughs> uh, that but way. when the Beaver guy yeah. was running from behind, I was like, oh no, because it just looked like he was set up for a fumble, and oh, then he yeah. fumbled. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Bad feeling the whole, uh, the whole time. Apparently, he couldn't hear me yelling at him, but uh. <laughs> no. <laughs> I would say also say with Penix, I wouldn't be surprised at the end of the season if they're like, yeah, he yeah. had like <laughs> fucked up ribs, fucked up shoulder, fucked up bleeding, fucked up let knee and shit like that. He just he powered through it all, and he's just like fuck. So I think or I don't. I want to make. I, yeah, what. My other theory to that, I don't mean to interrupt, uh, but is that there might be an agreement that's been in place since day one of this season where it's like if he, unless he gets like something amputated, we're not going to announce that because they don't want to do anything to heighten yeah. his reputation for being brittle and damage him in the draft. So, yeah, no, I, I, I think that's spot on. I think, yeah. So, uh, Law Dog 1. Uh, we've already kind of talked about this, but we'll, I'll just throw it out there anyways. He says, discuss Penix video post-Apple Cup 2022, holding the cup, smoking a cigar, talking shit, with the post-Apple Cup 2023, head in a box, covered by a bag, uncomfortable at press conference. We've already <laughs> kind of covered that. So, <laughs> you know. But again, Westover, eight catches, 100 yards, two TDs, Dylan Johnson, Five catches, 73 yards, a TD. Uh, you know, Odunze, six catches. Polk, four catches. Uh, J-Mac, four catches. Let's let's do it. But let's spread it around. Let's show them something mm-hmm. we haven't been doing. Uh, Duke DuJour says, should we expect a special Pac-12 championship post-game podcast live from Las Vegas? Uh I don't know about the live from Las Vegas part, but maybe live from Cedar Woolley. Are you guys going to the game or? <laughs> no, we're not. Live I'm not. from Cedar Woolley. It's Saturday night. 
Uh, I don't know. Do they still have? Do they still have Periscope or whatever on on Twitter or X or whatever the hell you call it? I haven't heard of Periscope in a long time. Yeah, I don't know. You know we we can think about doing a live feed of Wooly Duke and I melting down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't put it out there, but you, the three of us, were talking a few weeks ago about the possibility of uh, for next season of having a YouTube channel in. And putting out the i you know uh, trying to get a feeler from the listeners or uh, the posters whether they prefer a YouTube thing to a podcast format, but we haven't really talked it through yet enough, but it's you know it's possible for next year but um, lone star well, it's all uh, up to you i it's up to you i it's i i i'm I'm cool with you know oh okay. Well, you're, yeah, well, you're, I don't know. Let's, I really, let's talk to the guy who runs the website and ask him. I, I, <laughs> well, I'm trying to be, uh, it, you know, at the same time. I'm, <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I realize I'm the, whatever, I'm the Michael Penix of the podcaster. <laughs> that sounds so retarded. Um, but uh, no, no, no. I, I, I want to also, at the same time, my name's out there. You guys, your name isn't out there, and so there's always those type of considerations that you know we don't have the uh, you know the shiniest of reputations among everybody out there. So um, you know, anyways, it's up for us to talk about in the off season. So um, Lone Star Dog says. Uh, while we want a spectacular first quarter KO every week, every game is a drawn-out, confusing, ugly fight. We are the Royce Gracie of college football, unassuming, soft-spoken dude who has murder in his eyes and slowly chokes everyone out without losing his cool. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that describes the Huskies when they were tied at 21 apiece against the Cougs yesterday, but uh, no, I've got a more I've got a more obscure <laughs> reference. Uh, that, that's good. I, I like that. I, I have I'll, a more obscure the, I'll, I'll read the rest of what he says here, and then we'll go to your your obscure reference. It says, let's <laughs> weather the hype train this week, then frustrate, exhaust, and submit the Ken Shamrocks of Oregon again and go to the ship. And then he has a video here. So what, what's your obscure reference? Uh, have you ever seen the movie The Great White Hype? No. It was a boxing movie, mid-90s, uh, Samuel Jackson, Damon Wayans, um, Peter Berg. So Damon Wayans is just, like, destroying everybody, right? And they go they go to find this uh, – they find this white guy, and he's, he's like a stoner, and he's in a rock band, but he knocked out Damon Wayans uh, – well, I mean, I will say spoiler alert. He knocks out Damon Wayne. <laughs> uh, and well, when they were amateurs, so they build them up and build them up and build them up because, you know, as they say, you know, nothing sells more than a, you know, a, you know, white heavyweight, you know, that people can get behind and, you know, you know, the, the tickets start selling and, and, uh, yeah. Anyways, I feel like, I don't want to give away the movie, and people might go watch the movie now, but I feel like Oregon is Peter Berg's character and Washington is Damon Wayne's character. He gets he gets extremely fat and lazy, and he, he just keeps knocking guys out, and it's too easy for him. 
and he doesn't look good doing it, but yeah, I feel like Washington is Damon Wayne's character. And then eventually they, uh, you know, they fight again. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave out the, the rest of the movie till next week. <laughs> and I'll really spoil it on sa- on Saturday morning. I'll, I'll spoil the movie. Oh, and, and by the way, speaking of next week, um, so next Saturday morning, unless iDog bails, uh, Race Bannon and iDog are going to record their first episode of the Husky Half Brains podcast in 10 years. October of 2013 cool. was the last episode they did. and uh, But they wanted to wait till after the conference championship so as to not jinx anything. So... Um, they wanted to uh, – what, Race wanted to get to 100 years old before he recorded another pod? No, he's actually behind the scenes <laughs> for the last several years, and sometimes I've been right in the middle of it trying to coordinate this thing. Uh, Race has been willing uh, in regards to doing, uh, you know, the old format with him and iDog, um, and then iDog just bails. So, um, But he's committed to it right now. So um, – and I've even told them, all you have to do is record on an MP3, send it to me. I'll produce it and put it on the Hardcore Husky podcast, uh, you know, uh, uh, whatever you call it, our, our format here. And uh, all you have to do is give it, get an MP3 to me. So um, our good buddy, Hay, who will be on the podcast sooner or later here, um, he says, <laughs> of all the grub fuck-ups and play calling this year, was the third was the three and out with two minutes to go in the half of fourteen to seven possibly the worst of the season? We've already kind of discussed that, but it was that was tough. That was really yeah. difficult difficult to deal with at halftime. Um, well, again, how, how much do you put on uh, Grub and mm-hmm. how much do you put on DeBoer and how much do you put on Penix? Because yep. DeBoer talked post game about. Um, you know that play, which we haven't even talked about that fourth and that fourth and one play that oh, you know Rome. We we haven't really talked about it, but uh, DeBoer said in the post game interview on the field, he said Mike's got a couple options on that play, and he chose correctly. Yeah. So how okay? So Penix has options on every play, and there's times I see him trying to throw you know, throw a fade route or a post route. And, yeah, Derek, he's got Westover on a drag route over the middle, wide open, doesn't take it. So how much do you put on, you know, Grub? How much do you put on Tabor and how much do you put on Penix? I think at some point, Penix is a big boy and he's 23 years old and he's got to just start – Grinding out drives. I can't argue with that. Yeah. So. Uh, I always have to turn to Willie Duke for help here. Esophageal, right? Esophageal, yeah. I don't know if that's even right. I'm just saying it. Esophageal feces. I don't know why I have a a short a brain short with that every week, but uh, esophageal feces is. Uh, we already touched on this, but how the fuck is it possible that I trust the defense more than I trust the offense? So, uh, well, we've already kind of. <laughs> okay, I mean, here's one from. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I was, I was moving on to the next. Go ahead. No, I'm 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 
I'm sort of agreeing, even though he's asking a question, but I'm sort of, yeah, I'm with him. That was the case. <laughs> I think defense, it's like every time they need to step up, you're like, oh, yeah, they'll they'll step up. You know, they'll be fine. We'll get it. We'll get the stuff. Well, I don't have that confidence until after. <laughs> I had the confidence yesterday. Uh, but I, uh, I, I, you know, I, when USC was going to mount that final drive, I wasn't thinking, oh, we got it in the bag. I didn't think that at all. So, um, Bob C says, please rank the grease factor on our 12 opponents this year. I don't know that we want to go through the whole <laughs> schedule. Uh, but who, who is the greasiest? Who is most greased I think, up? I, since I'm the greaser, uh, I will nominate <laughs> uh, ASU. I think ASU, they got the week off before. They had the bye week before. I think fucking loser Kenny Dillingham had some sort of fucking love affair with Eugene, even though he's a fucking sun devil, like a fucking loser. But I think they spent that whole week getting ready for that game just to go try to upset Washington. And guess what? It didn't fucking do work for you, little Kenny. So, uh, yeah, I think ASU just seemed like they were so into that game, there was no reason why they should have been. Uh, that's, that's my, my – that's my, uh, uh, and being behind the opponent's sidelines – at least at home games, I think we usually get a pretty good – we get a pretty good gauge, and for whatever reason, that was like their fucking Super Bowl uh, from when they showed up to the very end. And I, I do think that weirdo has some sort of fucking thing where he wanted to, like, get sneak in and get revenge for Oregon or something. So I hope he'd lose every fucking game like all the other dorks who go in and out of that program as, as coordinators. And you will. Have fun. You and, you and Joey already proved your worth a couple of years ago when you guys were yelling at Evan Weaver throughout the game when he was on the sideline there uh, a couple of years ago. So. I, as of right now, I'll, I, I will respect Evan Weaver more than anyone associated with the Oregon program. I, at least he just wanted to play for Washington and did it, and then showed up on the field. Uh, you know, as much as I don't like him, I, I have I have respect for him. I don't respect anyone Almost any, almost anyone who has anything to do with that program or any coach who wouldn't just go through there for one year and be like, yeah, I got a paycheck. I won some games. I got a head coaching job. So, yeah, I, I respect Oregon at Weaver way more than anything to do with that fucking thing. Well, Evan Weaver disrespected the Woodenville Falcons, and for that I will never, ever, ever forgive. So um, let's see here. The Nacho Man Savage. Uh, is Pennix Herders all in his head? We already kind of touched on that. Uh, who's starting the GoFundMe to Polk in with a sports psychologist this week? I, he'll, I think, in all seriousness, I think the coaches are really, really adept and good at building the players up, and uh, whatever's going on with him, I'm sure they're going to try to zero in on that. So, um, Diggles, you've been quiet a while. You still there, buddy? Yeah, I'm just yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay, I'm just okay. googling the uh, I'm 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 googling the uh, Chattanooga Greyhound to see if I can uh, make it to Vegas on Friday. <laughs> My uh, wife just texted me while I'm uh, doing this pod with that Derek guy. You, you and, yeah, with that Derek guy, and she says you and uh, Wooly Doog should go to the game. You could fly out from Bellingham on Friday morning and land in Vegas at ten. <laughs> so my my wife is uh, she's planning something. She's trying to get rid of me. 
girls' night out, it sounds like to me. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, me and Wooly do with our martinis. <laughs> uh, Nacho here. We're, we're wrapping up here, so just a few more minutes. But uh, he wants to know: Did Washington deploy security around the logo? Hardy har har. I don't know if you guys have a comment there. I wasn't at the game, so. Uh, it was pretty uh, funny with, like, five minutes left, or they made an announcement on the system of, uh, like, the at the end of the game, like, fans are not, under no circumstances, are loud on the field. It was just like, if the Cougars win this game, yeah, you, you think the Cougar fans are not going to go on that fucking field. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised Joey hasn't bitched about Husky fans rushing the field. I thought that was pretty stupid. Uh to beat a five and seven coup team, but whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can't go to Vegas. I I do not trust myself in Vegas. Uh, we're around those fans, and, uh, and I you know, do. I, we, I, do I, I need to edit that out? out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. But I, I I I wouldn't trust myself going to that game. I I one game in Husky Stadium was enough of those fucking ass wipes. So this is at about the what? About the hour 24 mark, I think. So, okay. Uh, and then let's see. One other question he has. Any suggestions for surviving the anxiety-inducing stress and high blood pressure that will come from watching on Friday? Uh, I don't know. You could do the race band and Jerry West method of just not watching it. Or, um, I don't know, just go into it figuring that the – the world will keep spinning regardless of what happens, and uh, let's let's get it on. So, yep, I'm ready. Uh, Spoonie Love, who's been making a resurgence in recent weeks with his gifts. He used to be the gift king uh, at uh, Hardcore Husky, and then he kind of gave way to like to grumble. But um, he's been he's been kind of having a resurgence. Um, he says, given that the Ducks are unquestionably the better team, how much and how blah, 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 how much ideal and hypotheticals does UW need to win by to get a shot at the playoffs? Are the Ducks a lock with another three-point loss, or do they need to keep it closer? Uh, obviously, humor there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Huskies win. They're going to the playoffs. There's zero doubt about that. So, Yeah, I don't – I appreciate the humor. I, I don't think it's unfair to make Oregon the favorite at all. I I mean I I just think the hype of like that it's just like this unstoppable no chance is pretty ridiculous. Uh, I think the, there's a couple of good examples. So 2019, the Ducks were winning games, pretty much all of them, pretty ugly, and they lost to ASU. I think in the sec in like their one of their final games. And Utah was like a machine, just crushing, pulverizing crappy teams, and then. Everyone was kind of like Utah was going to definitely win. They probably were favored. I can't remember. And then Oregon came out and won by like 19 or something. Uh, I think that could be – it could be possible something like that. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think that's – I don't think that necessarily the blowout bad teams really matters that much uh, in transitional outcomes. And I think the Huskies are better at key positions. I think it really depends on Pennick too. I mean – uh, mm-hmm. 
he can't come out and play like crap, but he seems to he in the past he's come out and been ready for Oregon. So I I do think even if the Huskies win by three and you know, lose by uh, win by three, but it's still a loss. Uh, I think they still get in. <laughs> uh, one of our uh, oh, it, it, Diggles, did you want to say anything to that or? No, I mean, I mean that's pretty much it. Yeah, win and we're in. Um, I think if you know TCU made the the, the uh, made the playoffs while losing the championship game last year because they were undefeated, but last year there wasn't such a logjam. It allowed for them to kind of skirt in, and that was a big if. I think this year we need Texas to lose. We needed Alabama to choke to Auburn last night. We needed Florida State to choke to Florida last night. Um, so the things that that we needed to happen that would have been like the safety valve of maybe having a close loss to Oregon and still skirting in somehow. Um, I no. think that's out the window. Um, it was and so out the window winner in. Yeah. I don't think they'd ever put two PAC 12 teams in too. Exactly. So um, you're, you're, yeah, it's a, um, it's a win and get in situation. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty much what it is. One of our wealthiest benefactors who donates lavishly uh, to keep the uh, the lights on here at Hardcore Husky, Bananas of Wands, and he says, do you think Brock Heward does actually have some sort of deep-seated animosity toward his alma mater? It can easily be chalked up to him trying to be, quote, neutral, but he really does seem to go out of his way to downplay anything positive Washington does and fillet their opponents when he commentates our games. He seemed irritated when they showed the picture of him playing for UW and quickly moved on from the subject when it was brought up. When he was a local radio personality, he never discussed Washington or his time there. Um, I think he overcompensates. Yeah, a little. And I think he's fine. I know there's a lot of people that hate him on our boards, and I I don't get it. But um, No, when he was on... Um, Coward's show after the Oregon game, I mean, he was pretty, you know, he was pretty happy and uh, gushing over the over the game. So, yeah, yeah, I think he's overcompensating too much. Go ahead, Diggles. Well, well, I will just say this: one of the funniest things I heard on the board in a long time was Rodman's rage comparing his counterpart uh, to Steve Buscemi. <laughs> and if he, if he has to watch one more game with Brock Heward and Steve Buscemi commentating, he's going to kill himself or something to that effect. So, uh, you know, I think, yeah, it's a classic example of just doesn't want to, he goes too far in the other direction. Just in general, the commentary is like, it's whatever. I, I, I'm usually pacing around, like, you know, chewing up thoughts in my head. I have no idea what's going on seeing red during the game. So I don't really care what the commentators say too much. But I, I, did, I did notice the Steve Buscemi uh, color commentator, and, and uh, that, was, that was good for some belly laughs. Bananas and Blondes also adds, it says, now that our Penix is broken, would Jacob Eason be a good comparison for what we are left with at the position? Great arm, but doesn't see the field well, thinks too much, and is off on most of his throws. No, but something's going on, you know. I don't know if it's a confidence thing or what. We've already talked about it multiple times today. But um, I wouldn't say Jacob B. I wouldn't want Jacob, you know, no no offense to Jacob Beeson, but in terms of would I want him leading us into Vegas Friday night? No. 
But Penix, yes. You got the chance for greatness there. So, um, Okay, the HB says, Cliff Mass has not blogged about it to my knowledge, but could Penix's issues be related to the weather? Seems he started fading a bit as the temperature started cooling. Maybe this portends good things in the climate-controlled Vegas venue? You never I mean, know. There might be something to that for a Florida guy. <laughs> well, what about the Apple Cup last year? I, that was, yeah. uh, he was on other than, like, one bad pick last year. I mean, yeah, I, I, I wanted to think that, talk myself into that. But, yeah, I thought about the Apple Cup last year. I think the Oregon game last year was similar to what it was yesterday temperature-wise. Uh, yeah, I, I think the biggest, the biggest problem has been just how choppy the offense is. I mean, you talked about the, the kill shot, like guys can't get in a flow. I mean, we, we go three and out a lot for being this incredible offense. And so you yeah. don't have as many, I mean, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I think the Cougs, they ran a bunch more plays at us. It's like, again, a, a lesser team has better time of possession, more plays. Um, and so, you know, Getting in a rhythm and getting some of these easy, even for guys like Polk or McMillan, or you know, which they were trying to get McMillan going early, early on in the game. Uh, you know, we just we don't seem to be able to string together these longer drives. Um, like maybe we should really just take a take a you know, slow down and and get into a rhythm before we just kind of go. Okay, we're going to run it, uh, and then we're going to throw it. You know, run it up the middle once or twice, and then we're going to you know huck it, chuck it to Rome forty yards down the field and pray he does something amazing. Um, so the offense itself has just been super choppy. I think that has more to do with anything else. Yeah, I was going to say earlier, uh, it was just such a juxtaposition of watching. It was like WSU got up there. They went no huddle a lot and stopped through like a nine-yard nine, nine yard slant and just made it look so easy. And the Huskies have the ball. They run like eight motions. We're kind of getting back to the Peterson thing. It's like they're oh, like – Four different weird motions with guys like running through the backfield and then they use up the entire play clock and then they snap it. No one's open. And then Penix, or if they are open, Penix just misses the pass. They're like, boy, that was a whole lot of nothing where I do think they might benefit from just fucking roll the ball out there and play play. Like, I think that was against Oregon too where the offense was stuck in and then on that two-play drive, Penix just dropped back, stop Hulk let him make a play. Then the next play knew he had Odunze one-on-one. It's just like, yeah, it's just, I feel like the fucking, all the smoke and mirrors, all this motion and using the whole play clock and audibly, and then, yeah, either hand off for a one-yard gain or lose two, or then he just has to throw the ball away. It just doesn't seem like it's working. It seems like they're playing these teams that make it look so much easier. And I, I, will, I wouldn't be shocked if they come out on Friday and for better or worse are just like, we're going to play and throw the ball around uh, and just not do that shit. So I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind but of fatigued on it. <laughs> that's the same Willie Doug that also was uh, 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 prognosticating that uh, the Huskies would finally come out and stomp somebody as I was as well. Um, uh-huh. So we would think from a common sense standpoint that they would just say, pick a guy, let it fly and enough of this Peterson woo-woo stuff, and let's just go play some football. But, well, we know we're, I, I at halftime we're going to be full of anxiety, whatever's yeah. going on. No, I, I know for sure. That's why I said for better or worse. And I don't 
I never thought they were going to blow up the Coug. I kind of like had a realization late going in with like the Cougars have good safeties. That Hicks is really good. He had a pick and a sack, and the pick was a really good play. They had good safeties, so it's not going to be like they're not going to be able to just do whatever they want. Their corners are pretty decent, uh, and they have good pass rushers. Like offense for Husky offense versus Coug defense was not a great, uh, not a great matchup, and that turned out to be true. Hopefully, they can get that Hicks guy to transfer next year. So uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I didn't think they were, and I didn't think the Cougs were going to go lay down. Like I. I knew it would be tough, especially the Husky offense against that defense. So I just, but I just think all that fucking shit of double motions and I, it just doesn't seem like it's working anymore. It seems like the plays where they do a lot of that, which I'm not watching every play and breaking it down. It just seems like those plays never fucking do anything. I thought we could win 35-21 or 38-24. Well, they easily we could have, but I didn't think they were Yeah, that's not. What's our definition of whatever Joey said? Uh, what's your definition? You're a Barry Oregon. <laughs> yeah, I easily – and even in that game, I mean, they easily could have won by 10 to 14. I mean, uh, we say that I, I every think week. Was, I agree with you, but we say that yeah, every week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. So, yeah, I, I – but, yeah, I sometimes I'm getting the feeling that they're just – it's way too much hocus-pocus and they're not just – fucking plane so that's I'm, I'm rambling and we're getting late so yeah 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 we'll, we'll wrap up here uh race bannon with a question <clears throat> was it wrong to criticize race for pointing out that the defense was trending up as it won its third game yesterday with the best offense in school history suffering from an unknown malaise um <laughs> Yes, uh, no, I think it was completely justified to criticize race. So there we go. <laughs> no, I don't even know. Was was anybody really criticizing him for that? He seems a little sensitive about that there, but uh, I don't know. I don't remember, but I don't remember any. He seems, but he, he was the first to point it out. Give him a break. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, Sonny Shackelford with another Brock Yord comment. Why is Brock Yord so embarrassing? Openly cheers for the beef, Coog and Ducks on his telecast and on Twitter. E.G. rooting for the Beavs to win the Pac-12 title preseason, let alone his anti-Washington behavior on the air with Salk. Well, I don't listen to him with Salk because I don't really like Salk, but um, I think he's fine from anything that I heard. So I, I don't. Again, there's a lot of anti-Brock stuff. You know what? I've said this a few years ago, and I do think it's at least partially true. He's openly a Christian, and that bothers some people. And then I think that the uh, – I'm not saying that's the case necessarily with Sonny Shackelford's comment, but um, um, that, that's my – I've always thought that that, that seemed to be something – because to me, Brock's fine. He does a good job. He prepares. He makes interesting comments. And he goes out of his way, as Joey said, to overcompensate perhaps a bit, trying not to make it look like he's rooting for the Huskies. But, uh, you know, he loves the Huskies, so – um, anyways, I'm going to move on unless you guys have anything to add there. And we'll, and we'll, we're almost done here. We're going much longer than I wanted, but any, any thoughts? Yeah. Well, I no. want to keep it at 75 minutes and here we are at an hour 40 or whatever now. So 
I'm going to probably just leave the Phil Knight comment in there. I don't think that's anybody's going to kick that literally, right? I really don't feel like going looking for it again, but I think that's fine. Can, don't worry about it. You can, it was a horrific show. You can AI my voice on it. <laughs> Obviously just a, a horrible joke and nothing more. So, um, Fire the janitor says anyone that would willingly work side by side with Salk for a decade for a decade is a douche in their own right. Okay. Um, Pineapple pirate asked questions about the running back wheel routes and tight end hooks and stuff, and we already have touched upon that a lot today. Uh, Biak one says the least valuable players of the season. I hate to do this because these are like their kids or whatever, but. Um, I love how here's his list: Elijah Jackson, Asa, and the punter guy. Doesn't even bother to look up the guy's name. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know what? Uh, you know Jackson's out there doing the best that he can, and um, I, I don't, I don't get mad at him per se. I mean, he's he's like Joey was saying about an hour or yeah, an hour ago, thirty minutes ago, that he. Uh, he some people have a nose for the ball and others don't. And he just doesn't seem to have that. Um, Fire Cohen wanted to know if the infatuation with the grub is over. We've kind of talked about grub. God, there's still a whole bunch of more questions here that we haven't got to. And I feel like we need to kind of wrap up. Don't you guys? Um, we do have one from Husky yeah. Chan at BC. So, Sorry to everyone else here. There's about four people, uh, but uh, Husky fan in BC uh, with only his sixth post, but a, a, a poster with a, a with someone we should be listed to here. Uh, Penix's body language, and this is our last one, and then we're going to say goodbye. Penix's body language in general yesterday was not great. More specifically, on incomplete passes to Polk and others. The vibes were particularly not good. It continues to baffle me how we can have an offense with so much talent, yet we put her along scoring, for example, only 24 points versus the Cougs. So I can see a scenario where our shitty offensive execution continues to be our Achilles heel next week, and we look frustratingly lame versus Oregon. On the other hand, I can also see a scenario where with a 12-0 record accomplished and the regular season behind us, the Pac-12 championship game marks a new chapter where we are freed up just to go out and play, it also maybe helps specifically that Giles will be back in the offense and that McMillan is starting to contribute. Which scenario do you think is more likely for Friday's game and why? Well, Joey says we're going to bury Oregon. Uh, Dougal says we're going to beat them. Bully, what, what's your thought? I think they win another tight, close game. I think they're better at key positions. I don't know – yeah, I, I think I think, and I think their panic steps up. I think they did. I think this game was a me, oh, technically almost a meaningless game in some ways, and I, uh, against the Coug. And I think they play. I think they, they play one game seasons over and over again. I think they're ready <laughs> for the next one. Well, we will see. So, uh, Dougal's was great to have you on, buddy. And um, thanks for having me. It was good. And, uh, yeah, we'll do it again sometime. And, and, uh, like I said, in the weeks to come, we'll get Hay on here and stuff. And, and people really loved hearing Nacho on here. We'll get him back, et cetera. So 
Anyways, on behalf of the Hardcore Husky uh, crew, uh, I'm Stalin, and we will talk to you guys uh, next week. Do it up. Do it up. Go dogs. Thank you for listening to the Hardcore Husky Podcast. This show is copyrighted material. In other words, stop plagiarizing our shit, fuckos. So please tell a friend and rate us five stars on iTunes, especially you cheap bastards who don't donate. It's the least you could do. Yeah, I'm looking at you, creepy coog. And come join our fun at over at hardcorehusky.com. We've got Husky Football, Yellow Snow's Record Shop, and our notorious Tug Tavern, which is, which is a shit show of politics and strange nudes. And if you enjoy yourself and are ready for the next level of cyber peyote, peyote come join Swain's Wigwarm. <laughs> I'm going to have to read this over. Swain's Wigwam, yeah. Swain's Wigwam at Navajo Nation's gift to college football. It's also the official private club of hardcore Huskies. We're talking boobs, guns, and inside information, all for the low, low fee of $129 a year. Come join the fun. <laughs> I'll have to read that one, but...